look forward to that. Good morning. It's so good to see you. Well, thank you for joining us online. Those of you who are at home, open up your Bibles to 1 Peter. We're going to be there all morning. In fact, we're, today we're just starting this new uh, series in 1 Peter. He had a lot to say about people who were uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord, people who were turning their life around and giving their lives to Jesus, and yet were still suffering in the world. Anybody know anybody like that? Right? Anybody here say, you know what? I'm blessed and I'm struggling. <laughs> Anybody in here who find yourself on both sides of that equation? Like God has been so good to me and yet, whoo, life can be difficult. So Peter's going to be talking to you this morning. I really enjoyed watching Cherish, you know, up here worshiping. For those of you who may not know Cherish, she is going to be, uh, she's due in October, late October, I keep telling her, I will give you $100, like that's going to be a great motivator, October 27th. If you make sure that that baby is born on October 27th, I am going to be the greatest uncle to that baby. You know, that's my birthday, and so we want to just share that in common. I don't want you just to cut my hair. I want us to share a birthday with that child. And by the way, Corey and Sarah Coates, congratulations on the birth of your child. God bless you. You know, so I know that you're at home watching. And so we're just a, we're just a family of, of people who want to make a difference in our community. God has transformed our lives. Amen. Now, I'm just looking to see how many people we have. So if you're coming in brand new and you're wondering, well, how large is this church and what are they? You know, we're really around 400. I guess if everybody showed up, we would be over 500. And so this looks pretty full to me. It doesn't look like we can have many more people and still maintain proper social distancing. And, with, and so I think we may have to decide, are we now going to go back to two services uh, what is it that we want to do? If you have any input in that, then uh, speak to our elders. One of them is, is on the camera this morning, Alan Dunn. Uh, where's Clarence, Clarence Shimmerhorn? Clarence, would you just stand up so everybody can see you? Because Clarence, so just look right there. It's Clarence. He's one of our shepherds, and this is one of the things that he wants to make sure that we do. In fact, our elders, they're really charged with making sure that not only our direction is focused on the Lord and our discipline and that our doctrine, all that is in alignment with what God has called us to do. But he, as he came up and said, hey, listen, we got a full house and we need to make sure that we're keeping people safe while also providing this great opportunity of gathering together as God's people. So one of the things that Clarence does after our worship is over, he'll be downstairs right in front of the tent and he'll want to hear from you. You know, just, hey, uh, I, I was uncomfortable, I was comfortable. If there are any more people I want to feel as comfortable, should we go to two services? We make these decisions as a group together. And so let us know, you know, how you feel, your comfort level and what you want to do. We're going to make sure that we keep people as safe as possible. Amen? And yet we're going to keep this alive because the gathering of God's people is one of the greatest benefits that we have as a family of God. So... Today, as we start First Peter, and we're talking about what does it mean to be blessed as God's people and yet to still live in a world that struggles either with the existence of God or being obedient to God or just the common struggles that come just by trying to be faithful to the Lord. Peter starts First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. This letter is from Peter, 
an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was one of the original ones. In fact, his brother Simon brought him to Jesus. He was a fisherman, he, and, and he loved life, uh, but God called him. And when soon as Jesus met Peter, he said, you know, today you're just, you're fishing. But one day I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Your life is going to change. And so instead of seeing how many fish you can catch in a day, you're going to see how many people you can lead to heaven every day of your life. And your life is going to transform. And so Peter knows what a transformed life looks like and feels like. And he owes it all to Jesus. And so he, Peter says, I am writing to God's chosen people. That's you. Who were living as foreigners in the provinces of. And this was who he was writing to in his day. Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia. He's like all the surrounding area and all around Rome. There are all these people who are coming out of whatever it was that they followed before, either nothing or Judaism or some other idol or religion, and they were now all coming into being believers that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and that he is the way, the truth, and the life and that no one will get to God except through him, right? John 14. And so Peter's like, that's who I'm writing to. And so you're God's chosen people and you're living as foreigners in the world. And he continues to describe that. In fact, in chapter 2, verse 10, he said, Once you had no identity as a people, but now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you received God's mercy. Do you, do you remember living as if you had no identity? He's like, once you let the world dictate who you were, once you let your peers dictate, or your friends, or people said, hey, we're going to go do this. Do you want to go? And because you didn't know who you were or what you stood for, you're like, oh, uh, yeah, count me in. And we found ourselves running and chasing after all kinds of things. Anybody relate to that? And, and it's like, man, I was chasing after everything and did not know who I was. I was so afraid to find out who I really was. And really, I let other people define me. I let the world define me. I let my job define me. I let my behavior or my athleticism or my intelligence. I, there are a lot of different things that I let define me. But, but I didn't know who I was. And I was miserable and lonely. But now, I'm, 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 I belong to God. And once, I didn't know what it was like to be forgiven, to have God extend his mercy to me. And the weight of my life and my poor decisions and my sin weighed heavily on me. And I couldn't escape it until Jesus. And when I met him, and he said that he would forgive all my sin... And separate it as far as the east is from the west. And remember it no more. And he set me free. And now I know what that's like. And I have this living hope. In chapter 4, he said, Once you've had enough in the past of evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality, their lust, their feasting, their drunkenness, their wild parties. And their terrible worship of idols. Some of that was real religions that worshiped idols and had terrible practices others this idol it's like anything that we set up in our life as a higher priority to god than god then that's an idol and it may be work it may be relationships it could be all kinds of things but he's like just you you replace god with almost anything else and we all used to walk like that we all lived like that that's what we chase after. That's what we thought would bring us happiness. And he said, I'm talking to you because 
you know what that was like, and yet now you know, you know, I've, I've had enough of it. It didn't get me anywhere. It made me miserable. I had so many secrets, I couldn't hold them in. I wounded so many people. I ruined so many relationships. People couldn't trust me. They didn't want me in their home. They didn't want me around their children. Whatever your situation was. It's like, you know what that was like. And yet we've had enough of it. We, we, I can't do that anymore. I can't live like that anymore. It, 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 it weighs me down. It's miserable living. It's a waste of life. God made a difference. Back to chapter 1, verse O. Oh, who were you before you were a Christian? So this is a pause moment. For those of you online, who were you before you were a Christian? And you may say, I've, I mean, you may just be blunt honest. I was an alcoholic, or I was a thief, or I was a liar, or I was fill in the blank. What were you before you were a Christian? What, who were you? What? I can tell you what I was, miserable. That's what I was. I got a one-word answer for it, miserable, lonely, wounded, suicidal, just full of pain. Who were you? What were you before you were a Christian? And sometimes it's really good just to pause and remember what it was that God rescued us away from. Amen? Verse 3. All praise to God. This is where Peter just, he can't get off the subject of Jesus. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And now we live with great expectation. Some of your Bibles say this living hope. You know, I have hope in my life now. There's a reason to live. I can't wait to get up in the morning. His mercies are new every morning, so says Lamentations, right? It's like Jesus Christ did it. By his great mercy, we have been born again. Your life has been transformed. Things are completely different now. And, and look at, at what it was and, and, and how that happened. We have been born again because you're such good people. Right? Is that what he says? Man, we've been born again because we're so smart. Or because our behavior is right. Or because, you know what? Last year I counted it up. I did 637 bad things, but I did 842 good things, and the good outweighs the bad, and that's what has made me born again. My good outweighs my bad. Anyone? You've been born again because... Jesus did something on a cross for you, and he finished the work of your salvation. Amen? Did you do anything to earn your salvation? Anything at all? Your behavior? Your intellect? Your good deeds? Your good heart? Oh, man. You don't have, you don't have any pressure to perform. I was talking with someone this past week, and, uh, and such a wonderful lady... And, and she said, she doesn't, even, she doesn't live uh, in our city. And she said, hey, uh, I've been doing this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I started doing this, and I did this. What else do I need to do? What, what do you mean? What else do you need to do? Well, to go to heaven, to please God. I want to give him my whole heart. Oh, listen, listen, shh, listen, and this may be for you. It's already been done. 
Jesus already did it for you. Just, just say yes. Just receive it. And if there's anything in you that makes you want to go out and do more in the name of Jesus, that's confirmation that you have what Jesus promised he would give you. And because of the salvation that has been given to you, if all you want to do is go and praise God and do something good for somebody else, then you are demonstrating that the Holy Spirit is living in your life. Amen? Jesus finished the work of salvation on the cross, and he was raised from the dead. He conquered death. He conquered sin. And because of that, we live with this great expectation. We live with great hope. The finished work of Jesus. And that's not all. We have this priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven. God is preparing a place for you. Jesus was a carpenter, and he's like, man, I'm building you a special place. And it's going to be so much fun. You're going to love it up here. You be faithful. And I'm telling you, nothing's going to take it away from you. You're just pure, undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. It's not going to, it's, nothing is going to ruin what I'm preparing for you. It's, all, it's a gift from God. You receive it. You believe. And you turn from your wicked ways. You confess that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he's like, man, I am preparing something for you. You belong to me. And then he continues. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Now, this passage of Scripture is taken in two ways. There are really two different applications. For those of you who have received, for those of you who have said, God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died to rescue me. And I repent of my sin. I humble myself. I submit before you and I give you my life. And then, and then that is, moves you to baptism, which is really behind the screen. We have this baptistry, which is the symbol of the washing away of the filth of the flesh and the raising up of the, in the power of, it's just a symbol of what the death, burial, and resurrection of God is doing inside you. For those of you who've already done that, he's like, man, God is waiting and he's preparing and it's going to be revealed and one day you'll stand before God and the whole world will see you belong to God and they'll watch your entrance into his kingdom. But here's the second meaning of this. For the, there may be some in here for whatever reason you still have not received this salvation. For whatever reason, I, I don't know. You're, you're holding out. Maybe, maybe you don't feel like you're good enough. Or maybe you just have never really had this urge and you're like, I don't know. I just, I don't know why I'm, I'm just way, I don't, I don't know. Do you believe that God is protecting you? Do you believe that he's been better to you than you've been to him? I'm, I'm going to tell you, before I gave God my whole heart, I knew he rescued me out of several things that were awful. I knew he was better, to, and it just, it, it tore me up. If I really sit and think about it, it just makes me cry. But I knew he was protecting me. He was better to me, and it just humbled me until finally I just surrendered. And I want to give you some good news. God is so loving, so kind, so patient. By his power, he is protecting you until you receive this salvation. Don't put it off. 
don't delay. Don't take advantage of the grace and the mercy and the loving kindness of God. Today is the day of salvation. Amen? Today is the day. The further you go down the wrong path, the harder it is to get back. Don't delay. Don't wait. The goodness of God needs to happen today in your life. And so Paul is just talking about all of that. And he says, there is this wonderful joy ahead of you, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Now, I highlighted that because we can all identify with that, right? It's like, and, and this is one of the big things. When people first come to know God, they're like, I gave my heart to God. I gave my life to him. Why am I so miserable? Why are things so hard? Why is my marriage still suffering or my boss still mean or what? God did not say that he came to rescue you and from now on you would skip through fields of flowers and the birds would be singing and everything would be lovely. Peter, Peter, who was crucified upside down, who every day, and that may be an over-exaggeration, history records that when he would walk down the streets in the name of Jesus trying to help people come to know Jesus Christ, People made fun of him by making rooster noises because they heard the story that he denied Jesus three times at the most critical point of Jesus' life. And he would walk down the street and people would just like, <laughs> right? They're just making, putting, rubbing in his face one of his biggest regrets. Like, Jesus did not come to make your life, you know, perfect and beautiful. He came to transform you in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you're going to stand for him in a world that does not love him, you're going to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. And it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Well, that's quite an analogy. I mean, that's, that's a real picture of what it's like to follow Jesus. Your life, it's going to heat up. And the first thing is God's going to be working on the inside of you. Oh, you know what we're going to have to do? One of the first things we got to do is get all those impurities out of your life. <laughs> and so we're going to heat it up. We're going to turn up the heat. You're going to get caught. <laughs> Somebody's going to say, oh, I noticed that you did that or I saw that. And, and you're going to be a little embarrassed. But let me tell you, I'm not trying to destroy you. I'm trying to purify you. And as it heats up in your life, all the, just like in gold, it's a heavier metal, so it goes to the bottom, and all the impurities rise to the surface, and you can just skim them off, and what's left is pure gold. And God's like, I'm heating things up, and it's going to come to the surface, your mistakes and your bad habits and those things that you really want to hide and keep below the surface, it's, they're going to come out, and it's Okay. You're going to think that it's going to turn people away from you. It's not. It's going to draw them in more. You're going to think that I'm disappointed and that I'm just trying to destroy you. I'm not. I, I'm, I want you to be a holy people, a pure heart, moldable. So, be truly glad. I'm supposed to be glad when it heats up? Mm-hmm. When, when, when I'm embarrassed and when you reveal to other people things that I didn't want anybody to ever know, mm -hmm. and by the way, sometimes what you see is not always what you get. Where's Matthew Campbell and Rebecca? Where are you guys sitting? 
Okay, so, so can I tell everybody? So, so they were up talking to me. They're really concerned that you're going to see them on television because they were in Atlanta this, the past few days, and Matthew's an actor, and he drug his wife into the, the whole scene. And so they were hired on the show Divorce Court. And if you watch such smut on TV, <laughs> you're probably going to see them and you're going to think, hey, I go to church with those people. It's an act. It's a show. They're not getting divorced. Matthew, can you give me an amen? Okay. So they were up here telling me and Rebecca was like, it's so bad because they told me I had to be the bad guy and so I'm just rrr, 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 and everybody's going to hate me so bad. And Matthew's like, the amazing thing about that is she rescued me. She's the one who's brought me life and everybody's going to think that she's the one that's hurting me. So if you ever see them on divorce court, it's not true. They're actors. And get their autograph and don't believe everything that you see. <laughs> be truly glad. Right? When, listen, you're going to endure hardship. You're going to see things. You're going to feel things. Things are going to come against you. And, and, and Peter's saying this to people who knew that it was true. This was written when Nero was the ruler of Rome. Nero wanted to rebuild Rome. He wanted to destroy it and put his stamp on all the architecture and the way that it looked. So Nero just burnt Rome. He just burned it down. And during the days while it was burning... You know, his history records that he's saying the whole time until people in the town, till people in Rome didn't like it. And all of a sudden, the press starts turning against him, and he had to blame somebody. Guess who he blamed for the burning of Rome? Christians. And it seemed in their world like the whole world turned against Christians. So he would bring in these Christians... And make up ways to entertain the mob while destroying them. You see some of them on TV and you see the, what they did in big, you know, coliseums. They would take animal skins and they would place them on Christians and dress them up as an animal. Send them out running. Give them a couple of hours head start have all these hunters and say, okay, the one that kills the Christian and brings them back gets a special, and then they would send them out, and they would hunt them down like animals and kill them and bring them up slaughtered for everybody to cheer. They would dip them in wax over and over and over, alive, hang them on poles and light up the streets that people would walk down. Peter, as I mentioned earlier, was one of them under Nero, who was martyred, crucified. He did not believe that he should be crucified the same way that Jesus was, so they crucified Peter upside down. He knows what he's talking about when he says, life may not be easy for you, but you rejoice anyway because you have a greater reward than what this world can offer. And so he says, there are two things you need to do with your life. If you're gonna stay faithful to God, if you're gonna be part of his holy, faithful family, there are two things Peter's gonna encourage you to do with the rest of this chapter. Live holy lives 
and love people. That's what we're to do with our lives. In verses 12, 14 and 15, he says this. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. There was a time when you didn't know any better. You chased after things just because you were trying to find yourself. Now that you've lost yourself in the Lord, live a holy life in everything you do. Be holy Purify your mind. Refocus your eyes. Redirect what grabs your attention and focus it all on the things of God. And right now, individually, we know how we measure up against that. And I don't know what it is that you need to do. You don't know what it is that I need to do, but we all know what we need to do to live more holy. Amen? And then he said, this is verse 22. And 23, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. This is the best thing that I love about First City. You are so great at doing this. In fact, a lot of our city knows and has heard of how much you love people in this community and how much you love each other. I just love that because Jesus said, by this will all men know you belong to me if you love one another. And so I want to just tell you thank you. But he says, sincerely love each other as brothers and sisters. They're not all going to be your brothers and sisters. Most of them are going to be strangers to you. But you love them as if they're your brother and sister. You treat everyone the way that you want God to treat you. Amen? And so that's what we do. So when it comes to how are we now going to apply this to our lives? In our community outreach, we as First City, in fact, this really started two and a half, three years ago. We came together. We tried to refocus on how can we support our family, our body better. We, we brought in 21, 22 different couples and said, we want you to really shepherd over our family and call them and send them cards and just help us stay connected as a family. And then we started thinking about what we wanted to do in the community because we started with these serve days. For those of you who remember this history, right? We had a serve day, and we wore serve day t-shirts, and it was one day a year. And we were saying, all we're, all we're doing is starting to redefine ourselves, and we want to serve. And so we're doing on one day what we wish we could do every day. But we started praying, God, what is it you want us to do in our community? And we started with, we came up with this lift ministry, which is for our foster children. And so we said, okay, what are we going to do? Well, we want to lead people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. That's why we do worship. That's why we do our small groups. That's why we do our outreach. That's why we disciple each other. And then we wanted to protect our vulnerable children. He said, and there's nothing more pure and undefiled in religion than this. Protect the widows and orphans. So we started there. And we started looking at, okay, what does that foster care world look like in our city, in our county? And really, they call it the District 1 area, which is four counties. And we said, oh, my goodness, there's such a crisis. It's so bad. We have got to get involved in that. And then we wanted to unify a divided community. We did this with our Can We Talk uh, series. It really started in a, in a significant way after uh, the death of George Floyd, if you remember, and all the nation started trying to figure out how are we going to approach that 
we, I do not like what I see with all of the violence. I do not think that's the way that God has, wants to go about bringing unity. Remember Romans chapter 2? It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. And so if you evaluate the fruit of rioting and destruction, and, and, you, were to, and you were to lay that next to Galatians chapter 2, the fruits of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, you just don't see the Spirit of God. I don't in any of that. And so we said, okay, but we need to go about doing it the right way. What are we going to do? We started talking about it, and for months now, we've been trying to see who in our community could we partner with. So I just want to give you an update on how is it that we're trying to love people the way God called us to in our community. So with our goals for Lift ministry, this foster care ministry, we jumped into it because Taryn and Jesse were fostering children, and that year they fostered 50 different children. And we said, we got to do this with them. And we had a bunch of people who started. And we listened and we went out and we explored. And we said, this past year, we need to qualify 200 new beds for placements. The reason is, is that people are dropping out of foster care. It's such a hard thing to do. There's such a high turnover rate. And there is an unusually high number of children being removed from homes and being placed in foster care in our county. And the need is so great that they had sent 600 of our children down to the southern parts of the state because there was no place for them here. And we said, we cannot do that. So we took a, wanted to take a bite out of that. And so we said, we need 200 new beds. And we had 201 this past year. And so God exceeded that. But that wasn't the only thing. We said we need to reduce the turnover. We need to start supporting not only the foster families in our church, but as much as we can in our community. And we were able to have a 47-bed gain. So of those 200, that's 25% reduction in the turnover rate of what we were looking for. So God has really been good there. And then we said we need to recruit 100 churches to join us in this ministry. And so we partnered with FFN, and we set in a new, they call it Fostering Through Faith initiative. And as we just started that whole initiative, we have now signed up 23 churches to work with us in foster care. And so we're going to keep going over the next two years till we get 100. And we will eliminate our foster care crisis in this city. Amen? That is a work of God. And so we're no longer doing these little one-off, one-day serve days. We are just going into the community every day in the name of Jesus to transform our community so that it belongs to Jesus, right? And so that's the lift ministry. Then out of this just uh, uh, can, can we talk series, we started saying, okay, how can we unify a, a divided culturally and racially divided community? And we started exploring months ago this organization called Just Pensacola. Just Pensacola is a multi-faith organization trying to bring together a lot of different churches and groups, not to water down doctrine, not to change everybody so that we all agree or believe in the same thing, but just in the name of Jesus to start a conversation and see how we can unify a divided city. And so their process is to listen, to research, and then to take an action step. So I see Teddy standing in the back, and I don't, I don't know where Aaron is, but there are two or three of us who, 
who just started exploring. We went to their website. We went to all their meetings. We attended all their functions. They came back, and there was this lady named Ada, and she said, and this is not because of me. She just said, I've heard of First City Church, and your reputation in town is that your people want to do something in the name of Jesus to bring about healing in our community. Is this true? I said, yes, ma'am, it is. She said, would you talk to several of our board members? I said, yes, ma'am, I will. And we had a conversation. I could ask them any question. And she said, what's important to you? I said, I see played out on the streets of our nation, on news cycles, destruction and rioting. And I don't think God is in that at all. And yet I see hurt and pain that we need to try to come together and, and, and bridge that gap. Are you an organization that's looking to just be mean? Or in the kindness of God, do you want to make a difference? And they said, that's all we want to do. Would you join us and be on our board? I said, okay. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with me. You opened that door. And so the police department came on and the sheriff's department came on. And your state attorney-elect, Matt Madden, has come on board. And we have started talking in a significant way. And now there are 29 different churches. And I get to go into these communities and talk with all of these people. And, and it's unbelievable. And what God, what God is opening up is... It all, because all we did was say, Lord God, use us in a significant way. And your kindness in the community has opened up doors for healing. And I'm just telling you, thank you. And that's not all. The Pensacola Police Department has been a great partner with this church. Police Chief Tommy Leiter is just a good friend, you know, of this church. And when it all started back with George Floyd, he personally went to as many different churches, especially minority churches in this town, sat down with all of their leaders and had a one-on-one -on -one conversation and he said to them, I need your help. If we're going to bridge this gap and make a difference in our community, I need your help. And he said, if people start rioting in this city, if they start burning and looting and tearing things down, I will arrest them. We will not allow that to happen in this city. However, if they want to peacefully protest and they want to share their heart, I will lead it with them. And they all said, okay. But because he was proactive in our community... It opened the door so that you haven't seen any of that writing in our city. And it wasn't by accident. And so we had an opportunity just this past week, and I shared it with you, to have all of these boxes of produce, but we wanted to get them to people in need because 25% of our children go to bed hungry every night. And so I just called, you know, police chief lighter. I need your help. He said, I got all the contacts. And I was amazed. You know, we planned a pretty picture. It's going to show up. This truck is going to, this truck here is going to show up at 11 o'clock and it's got all these pallets and boxes and we're going to unload them and we're going to have a prayer and we're going to organize and, and, and we're going to hand them out at 1 o'clock. And I'm telling you, we got over there and I received the education of my life. I ran into Hurricane Brenda Lee Johnson. And Brenda Lee said, this is the first time you've done this, isn't it? And I said, yes, ma'am, it is. And she said, well, let me tell you how it's going to go. Is it okay with you? And I said, you know what? 
there only needs to be one director here, and that needs to be you. She said, okay, thank you for the semi-truckload of produce. We're going to get it to the people who need it. And within 30 minutes, it was gone. For those of you who were there, you were just as shocked as I was. Some of you got there thinking that, well, okay, I came 40 minutes early, and I'm an hour late. <laughs> and we have another semi-truckload coming tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. here to drop off some and going back over. And you're going to be distributing 1,000 boxes. Each one of these boxes, 50 on a pallet, 18 pallets, 20 pallets to people who really need it in this community in the name of Jesus. And that's not all. See up here sitting, Brad Lord. Brad, I'm going to, you and I talked about this on the phone, so I'm going to mention it to everybody. Brad applied for a grant because we have a lot of people who are suffering with PTSD, uh, you know, just coming out, veterans from, you can move this if you want, guys. And, uh, and he said, we got to do something about that. So he applied for a grant as if he needed anything else to do. He works with Lakeview and, and got the grant. Now he's putting together a team of people. He would really love to put together some people who are veterans and, and those of you who are retired military, especially ladies, to work with people who are struggling with PTSD and introduce them to the amazing grace of God. And if you want to work with people like that, that's the man you need to see. And, and God is just continuing to open up more doors. And all we want to do is love people well in our community. I've talked a long time this morning. I cannot get off the subject. I am so proud of who you are and what you do in this community. And if you know anybody else who wants to join us, invite them. Because Jesus said, pray to the Lord of harvest to send forth workers because the fields are ripe unto harvest. Amen? Let's pray.